Let your head rest in my hand. Relax. I got you. I promise. I'm not gonna let you go. Hey, man, I got you. There you go. Ten seconds. See that right there? You're in the middle of the world, man. To the fragmented whole, where we piece together the news and self. I'm your host, Amarachia Nacaronye, and I hope you all had a great turkey day filled with love and peace. The fragmented whole examines the isms and phobias that unite and divide us intrapersonally, interpersonally, and geographically. In each episode, we examine how these ideological frameworks play out in current events and pop culture, and hopefully gain a deeper understanding of how we, one, see and treat ourselves, two, see and treat others, and three, act as social agents of change. This week's episode is the season one finale. Thankful is all I can say when I reflect on this past season. In 2017, movie theaters served as places of refuge when I needed to escape my reality and find catharsis. These theaters also provided me a space to face my reality through creativity. With 2017 coming to an end, I want to dedicate this season one finale to the movies and deviate from the typical format of the fragmented whole. This episode is a year in review of my top four films from 2017 and my takeaways from each one. No better film to kick off this finale than with the 2017 Academy Award Best Picture recipient, Moonlight. Written and directed by Barry Jenkins and based off of the semi-autobiographical play by Terrell Alvin McCraney. Moonlight ushered me out of 2016 and into 2017. Set predominantly in Liberty City, Miami, Moonlight is a coming-of-age film that examines the development of the protagonist, Chiron, across three stages of his development. From boyhood to adolescence to adulthood, we watch Chiron struggle to come into his own as he combats spoken and unspoken expectations of race, sexuality, and gender, while also learning how to survive in a fraught environment with limited support and resources. The scene that opened today's episode is one of my favorites from the film. In this scene, we witness young Chiron, also known as Little, played by Alex Hibbert, learn how to swim from his paternal figure, Juan, also known as Lou, played by Mahershala Ali. I later learned Ali was actually teaching Hibbert how to swim in the Atlantic Ocean, which made this scene feel more authentic. 
As the camera bobs with ebbs and flows of the ocean's currents, we feel young Chiron's anxiety about learning to swim and his shakiness about being vulnerable with Juan as he relinquishes his body to the sea. When Juan told young Chiron to relax and trust that he wouldn't let him go, I thought of my own trust issues and how the anxiety I associate with exhibiting vulnerability impacts my intimate relationships, particularly with God. So many times this year, I felt aimless, and at times, I still do. At the beginning of the year, many of my colleagues were being laid off from my first professional job out of graduate school, and I was unsure what my next steps would be. My anxiety was at an all-time high, and I was frustrated with myself because I felt directionless. I felt like I was in the middle of the world without a map. But I knew I had to go somewhere and do something. It wasn't until I was laid off a few months later that I was forced to surrender to circumstances outside my control and put my faith and trust in a source higher than my own. Like young Chiron, I had to relax my mind and body and go with the waves of life until I found a current calm enough to coast. If getting laid off taught me anything, it taught me resilience and flexibility in the curveballs of life. I also learned that nobody can make you a victim but you, and survival is a choice. Before we move to the next film, I want to share and discuss one more scene from Moonlight. In this scene, Juan shares with young Chiron the significance of establishing one's identity on one's own terms. Let's take a listen. I've been here a long time. And I'm from Cuba. A lot of black folks in Cuba. You wouldn't know that from being here, though. I was a wild little shorty, man. Just like you. Went around with no shoes on, the moon was out. This one time, I run by this old, old lady, I was running, hollering, cutting a food, boy. This old lady, she stopped me. She said, running around, catching up all that light. In moonlight, black boys look blue. You blue. That's why I go call you. Blue. Say your name, Blue. <laughs> nah. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. True words have never been spoken. The personal agency that Juan encourages young Chiron to have is one that I've battled with for years and may battle for the rest of my life. Whether it's how you let others address you, how you look, your selected profession, or who you choose to love, we all consciously and or unconsciously feel pressure to fulfill certain expectations. And for those of you that don't, 
<laughs> sure are lucky. This year, I made it my personal goal to live my life more intentionally, authentically, and unapologetically. I did this by making sure that I took myself out of situations that did not nourish those aspirations and intentionally placed myself in environments that did. While I'm not perfect and still fall short, I'm trying to make my life my own on my own terms. A wise friend once told me, we lose power the moment we give it up. And I'm trying to hold on to my power as long as I can. Let's move along to my second favorite film pick of 2017, Hidden Figures, or as I like to call it, Hidden Figures No More. Directed by Theodore Melfi and based on the non-fiction book of the same title by Margot Lee Shetterly, the film follows the lives of three black female mathematicians, then called computers, at the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, during the space race. Set in Virginia during the 1950s and 60s, the three mathematicians, who are also my sorors, are Katherine Johnson, played by Taraji P. Henson, Mary Jackson, played by Janelle Monet, and Dorothy Vaughn, played by Octavia Butler. At the intersection of the civil rights and women's rights movements, these women, these black women, trailblaze paths for themselves in settings that were less than welcoming or accommodating. Despite these institutional and structural barriers, these women knew what they wanted and through ingenuity, persistence, faith, and a whole lot of hard work, made a path where none had been prior. Let's take a listen to one of my favorite scenes, where Catherine educates her then-suitor and future husband, Colonel Jim Johnson, played by Mahershala Ali, on what women can do, and revises his reductionist perspective. Get him right, Catherine. Pastor mentioned you're a computer at NASA. <laughs> Pretty heady stuff. Yes, it is. They let women handle that sort of thing. That's not what I mean. What do you mean? I'm just surprised it's something so taxing. Mm -hmm. Mr. Johnson, if I were you, I'd quit talking right now. I mean no disrespect. I will have you know, I was the first Negro female student at West Virginia University Graduate School. On any given day, I analyze the barometer levels for air displacement, friction, and velocity, and compute over 10,000 calculations by hand. So yes, they let women do some things at NASA, Mr. Johnson. And it's not because we wear skirts. It's because we wear glasses. Shout out to my ladies who rock their glasses proudly. Or contacts, or whatever. And by glasses, shout out to the prescription ones. In addition to such films as Hidden Figures, I have enjoyed witnessing over the past few years major strides made in television and film regarding narratives that reflect the multi-dimensionality of women of color, particularly black women. While there are still many more narratives of color to be told, and we've only scratched the surface, I have enjoyed witnessing seeing characters and narratives that reflect aspects of my identity and life. James Baldwin once said, 
and I quote, our crown has already been bought and paid for. All we have to do is wear it, unquote. Hidden figures resonated with me as a black woman because as much as I feel people of color still struggle to carve out nuanced spaces for ourselves and our narratives, particularly in this peculiar time of Trump America, our ancestors laid a blueprint for us to follow and add on to. Similar to such films as Selma, Hidden Figures reinforced for me that while many of the isms and phobias that impacted the protagonists, racism and misogyny, to be specific, still reverberate in the fabric of our nation, my life is a hell of a lot easier because of the sacrifices of previous generations and there is much work for all of us to do to lay a more solid foundation for our, our posterity. Speaking of laying a foundation that was not there before, in the following scene, we witness then-aspiring engineer Mary Jackson, played by Janelle Monae, petition the courts to take after-hour courses required for the NASA engineering training program. Hampton High School is a white school, Mrs. Jackson. Yes, Your Honor, I'm aware of that. Virginia, still a segregated state. May I approach your bench, sir? Your Honor, you of all people should understand the importance of being first. How's that, Mrs. Jackson? Well, you were the first in your family to serve in the armed forces, U.S. Navy, the first to attend university. What's the point? I plan on being an engineer at NASA, but I can't do that without taking them classes at that all-white high school. And I can't change the color of my skin. So I have no choice but to be the first, which I can't do without you, sir. Your Honor, out of all the cases you're gonna hear today, which one is gonna matter 100 years from now? Which one is gonna make you the first? It's crazy to think that while Virginia is not legally a segregated state anymore, just three months ago, the Charlottesville rally occurred there. In the spirit of Williams Shakespeare, the past is prologue, and if we don't learn from it, we're bound to repeat it. Needless to say, in 1958, Mary Jackson became an engineer and worked for two decades in the supersonic pressure tunnel at NASA. After viewing Hidden Figures, I left the theater with my head held just a bit higher and my chest poked out just a bit more as I hummed songs from the movie soundtrack. Now that I've got you feeling all warm and uplifted, let's take a 180 degree shift in mood for my third favorite film of 2017, Get Out. Written and directed by actor Jordan Peele of the comedy duo Key and Peele, Get Out is a social thriller, not comedy, even though the Golden Globes chooses to categorize it as such that examines systematic racism as horror through the eyes of the black male protagonist, Chris. 
Speaking of eyes and narratives, ironically, Chris is a photographer involved in an interracial relationship with a white woman named Rose. The story initiates and unfolds when Chris and Rose go on a weekend trip to visit Rose's parents. Rose's parents are seemingly unaware of Chris's race prior to meeting him. And throughout the film, we witness how the parents and the community embrace him as a black man. I fear that if I tell you anymore, I'll give away the plot of the film. But for those of you who have seen the film, this movie is filled with symbolism, twists, and turns. I went to see Get Out on my birthday, shout out to the Pisces, and I left the theater perplexed, astonished, scared, and enlightened. As a lover of such literary devices as symbolism and such literary genres as dystopia, shout out to The Handmaid's Tale in 1984, Get Out was perfect for me. From the sets to the props to the settings and more, every item displayed on the film and every word spoken by the actors was cryptic and was critical to ultimately understanding how the story unfolded. Whether you liked or disliked Get Out, it was definitely a box office success. In fact, Pill became the first African-American writer-director to make more than $100 million at the box office with a directorial debut. In one of my favorite scenes from the film, Rose's family hosts a gathering with their predominantly white community to introduce Chris to the community. When Chris is asked by the only Asian guests whether the black experience has more or less advantage in the modern world, Chris defers the question to one of the few specks of pepper in the sea of salt, the only other black male guest besides himself who is not in a role of domestic servitude. As this male is responding, Chris tries to discreetly record the experience with his phone, but things go a bit awry to say the least when his phone snaps a picture as opposed to recording. Let's take a listen to what ensues. Come on. Oh, oh hey, hang on. Chris, Chris, I want to introduce you uh, to some friends. This is uh, David and Marsha Wincott, Ronald and Celia Jeffries, Hiroki Tanaka, and Jessica and Friedrich Walden. Too many names to remember, but hi. <laughs> Do you find the being African-American as more advantage or disadvantage in the modern world? <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Hey. Yo, my man. They were asking me about the African-American experience. Maybe you could take this one. Oh. Well. Well, I find that the African-American experience for me has been, for the most part, very good. Although, I find it difficult to go into detail as I haven't had much desire to leave the house in a while. <laughs> <laughs> We've become such homebodies. Yes, 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 but even when you go into the city, I've just had no interest. The chores have become my sanctuary.
Get out. Sorry, man. Okay. Get out! Yo! Yeah. Yo! Chill, man. Get out! Chill! Get out! Chill! Chill, man! Seizures create anxiety, which can trigger aggression. Yeah, but like randomly attacking other people? Oh, it's not random. You know, it was your flash. That's what set him off. Hey. Well. How's he doing? He's much better. <laughs> I imagine that I owe you all an apology. No, no, no. We're just very happy that you're yourself again. Yes. Yes, I am. Hmm. And I thank God for you for calming me down. I know that I must have frightened you all quite a bit, especially you, Chris. Oh, I'm sorry. The Flash, I didn't know. Of course not. How could you have? And you shouldn't have been drinking either. Yes. Well, I'll have to let you all get on the rest of the night without the aid of my marvelous wit. <laughs> the whole ordeal has made me quite a bit exhausted. Logan, you just get some rest. It was nice meeting you, Chris. If you ask me, the black experience is subjective, depending on the individual you ask. And it's dependent on an array of variables. As a person of color in America, more specifically a Nigerian American woman living in New York City and in an America where Donald Trump was elected as president, I'll say this. For the factors of my life that I can control, I am doing my best to control them and aligning myself with other communities, parties, and organizations that align with my ideologies regarding community empowerment, capacity building, and personal accountability. With that said, let's move right along. My list of favorite films from 2017 would not be complete without my fourth and final film choice, Girls Trip. I saw the film in July with two of my girlfriends, Shout out to K.O. and L.M. And we laughed till our sides ate. Directed by Malcolm D. Lee and written by Erica Rivenoha, Kenya Barris, and Tracy Oliver, Girls Trip follows the reunification of four childhood friends, known as the Flossie Posse, who take a three-day trip to the Essence Music Festival in New Orleans. As I previously mentioned with my commentary on Hidden Figures, Seeing Girls Trip this year was refreshing because it expanded the types of narratives told by and about women of color, specifically black women. I'll be the first to admit that while I have ingested narratives of women of color being combative with each other via such shows as Real Housewives of Atlanta, Love and Hip Hop, WAGS, and hell, most shows on VH1, BT, and or E!, it was truly refreshing to watch a film that celebrated black female camaraderie and genuine friendship. A narrative that reflected how we're not all crabs in a bucket tearing each other down to get to the top, even though being in a bucket is not a self-made or ideal ecosystem, but that we can, we can, 
should, and do empower and inspire each other as women. This year, like never before, my closest girlfriends supported me through familial woes, romantic heartbreaks, and professional setbacks. My girlfriends nourished me with acts and words of love and support and served as family when my own did not have the emotional or psychological capacity to do so. This year, my girlfriends were my lifelines and I don't think I would have made it through this year without them. RP, KO, LM, and LG. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Your words and acts of support meant and mean more to me than you'll ever know. In addition to the realistic nature in which Girls Trip portrayed female friendship, particularly black female friendship, I enjoyed Girls Trip because it was pure comedy gold. Of the four main protagonists followed throughout the film, my favorite one was Dina, played by actress Tiffany Haddish, the party animal of the group. While I am by no means the party animal in any of my circles of friends, I love all my friends that are party animals because they make life a bit more fun by promoting carefreeness and spontaneity. Dina is the definition of both of these traits, and in the scene to come, she gets the party started on the plane by establishing expectations of debauchery and ratchetry. I can't think of any better scene to conclude this episode than by choosing one that exhibits the comedic genius of Tiffany Haddish. Let's take a listen. Okay, now here's what I want. Let me get three shots of whiskey with a comfort chase. Coke Zero, though. Watching my figure. Dina, you know this is only an hour flight. Oh, well then in that case, let me go ahead and get those three shots now, and then bring me a shot of Bailey's once we get into cruising altitude. Sure. Oh, and let me get a cherry coke. Dina, can we just bring it down a notch? Oh, can we get some dick this weekend? You know what, I need you to use your lady mouth. I need you to use your lady mouth. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's just use Lisa's version of Lady Mouth. No, seriously, for real though. How long has it been since you got that back blown out? I don't know. Two years, maybe. Wait. <gasps> since Terrence? I don't know. I mean, I take a vigorous spin class, I read really intense erotica, and I invested in a very powerful detachable shower head, which has been very good to me, mind you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, that story just put me in a menopause. You getting some this weekend. Straight up, you gonna get at least two dicks inside of you. For crying out loud, Dina, we only gonna be there for three days. Well, three dicks then. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, Lisa, Dina could be right. Daily penetration is medicinal. Oh, my goodness. Don't be shamed, girl. Every sister up in here is on a mission to be her very best oh. in ratchet self. You especially. Who's ready for Essence Fest? Patron shots for everybody up here on me. I'm gonna take care of everybody in first class because I'm everyone. It's all in me. Hey, hey, hey. Anything you want 
Like Dina said, shots to Patron for everybody of legal drinking age because it's been one hell of a year and somehow we're still here thriving and finding a way in this fragmented but ever so beautiful world. I want to thank you all for tuning into this episode of The Fragmented Whole as we explore the ties that unite and divide us to ourselves, our peers, and the environment. Shout out to Marshallese Jedi for the music used throughout this episode and Squarespace for the website design and assistance. I'd like to also reference Fandango Movie Clips, 20th Century Fox, Variety, NPR, IndieWire, IBM, and the Internet Movie Database for the audio clips and content presented in this episode. Be sure to follow The Fragmented Whole on Facebook and Instagram at The Fragmented Whole. That is W-H-O-L-E. And on Twitter at Fragment underscore Whole. You can also find this info on the official website www.thefragmentedwhole.com. You can also follow me on IG at Hella underscore Chic. That is C-H-I-C, not Chic, but Chic. And Facebook at Amarachi Anakronye. The Fragmented Hole will return on Monday, January 29th. Monday, January 29th. (laughs) Until then, I'm wishing you all a blessed, peaceful, and prosperous holiday season and New Year's filled with laughter, love, and joy. Until next time, I'm Amarachi, a fragmented whole, and I'm signing out. Be safe, y'all, and happy holidays.